0: Geekville Radio. Hello, once again, all geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, aka Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with a jam-packed, news-filled episode. Here, we're mainly going to be talking about. DC and DC Comics licensed movies and TV shows because there's been a bit of a shakeup going on and some of it I think definitely has to do with the Warner Brothers Discovery merger and some of it may not. The big one that we're going to talk about is the Batgirl movie being shelved. There's talk of there being an entire reboot of the DC movie universe that could take as long as 10 years. We'll also talk the Flash ending on TV, which also marks the end of the Arrowverse as we know it. But we'll wind it up with some non-DC talk at the, at the end of the show. We're going to talk the trailer, the first real trailer for Andor, and what this looks like. It's because that show's a little bit more than a month away from hitting the Disney Plus airwaves. And once again, he's escaped from the asylum, coming at you from an undisclosed location in South Kakalaki Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock.
1: All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're going to talk DC my stuff tonight, not not your stuff. That's yeah,
0: because yeah, you've always kind of been the DC guy. So let's get to it then. Well, it was a pretty surprising move. I don't think there was anybody that was not shocked hearing this. Warner Brothers Discovery has reportedly shelved the Batgirl movie. Now, this was originally set for an hbo max release it was never intended to be released in theaters but it was going to be time to be released as a follow-up to the blockbuster flash film for next year which we've been talking about it seems every week we're hearing something new coming out about ezra miller and the problems he's having but the funny thing about batgirl is not only has most of the filming been done the film was basically in post-production it was like like 90 percent done or something like that they had even gotten michael keaton to reprise the role of bruce wayne and batman however it looks like not only will the film not be streaming on hbo max next year it may not even be released at all and usually films that far along i don't obviously i don't claim to be a hollywood insider or anything like that but it certainly seems movies that at least have that much time and effort and money put into them tend to at least be Retooled or re edited or something like that to where they still get some measure of release so they can recoup some measure of profit. Even if it's not profit, they get some of their money back. And what I have heard from people who are talking about something canceling at this level that it's more of a case of it being a tax write off than it being any sort of attempt at making money. So basically, if they cancel this they can write off tens of millions of dollars as a tax write-off rather than list that investment i don't know if you've heard stories like that but this movie and the last thing i'll say and i'll throw it to you train is that this was the one that was going to start leslie grace as batgirl so it was another one of those cases of casting somebody of a different ethnicity than the comic was i know there was some controversy about that especially since well this is barbara gordon and commissioner gordon is already being played by jk simmons okay, well, there, there's a little bit of a, a difference in there. So I don't know if you cared about that or if you had any thoughts about the movie being shelved entirely because for me, I'd at least watch it because I'm kind of a completist now when it, when it comes to stuff like this. And I just can't shake the feeling that maybe this got canceled because of negative feedback it was getting in test screen.
1: I, I got a lot to say about
2: <laughs>
0: No, floor um, is yours. <laughs>
1: well, part of it, I'm more dumbfounded by this for, for the reason that it's going to be on HBO Max. Because that means it was never, ever going to receive a theatrical release. And as popular as the Batman IP is, I don't feel that a Batgirl movie or even the intrigue of seeing a returning Michael Keaton and his version of Batman would be enough to move the needle on new subscriptions to HBO Max that it would matter. So this far down the line, this far into it, really, really far into it, and you just scrap it, that can't be a good sign. Which... Lynn's credence, I think, to your theory on the the tax write off. Mm-hmm. Once again, neither one of us are businessmen or or, law, or business lawyers or tax lawyers understanding that. But this is, I mean, these are the loopholes that, that huge companies like DC and Warner Brothers and I guess Discovery now know all about. And the other interesting thing, even on that line, with with subscriptions, is I don't know if you've heard this. It's periphery to to the whole DC saga. Is that HBO Max is going to go away eventually, and it's all going to go over Discovery Plus? Have you heard that yet?
0: Yeah, I've heard that that they those two were going to merge. I don't know if it will go under a different name, or if it will go under the HBO name, or maybe they'll call it HBO Plus because it seems everybody's calling their streaming service Blank Plus. That seems to be what what they're all called now. So, yeah, I did hear that they were merging. I just don't know if it's if it's going to be renamed at all.
1: Yeah, my thought maybe I'm wrong. For me, my understanding is it's going to be similar to the when the WWE network went away and all that content moved over to Peacock.
2: Yeah, yeah, which, I think I think it is. So, similar as
1: wrestling guys, we we can tell you the WW the current stuff moved over immediately, but it took what probably six months for all the archival historical stuff to finally move over.
2: Yeah,
0: and then and it was almost impossible to find.
1: Right, right. The search the search engine they used was woefully yeah. Yeah, because, because it was all listed
0: out. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but it's like they would list things out in seasons rather than just simply the year. Right. So if you were looking for WrestleMania 10 or something like that, it was showing up as like WrestleMania season 10, not just right. WrestleMania 10.
2: Right.
1: So it was, yeah, it was very difficult to find. And you've got right now is the way HBO Max works. For those that aren't familiar with with, with the platform, is that, or the app, I should say, is there are individual hubs? They have a main search, but there's individual hubs for each of the subcategories. There's there's there is DC Cartoon Network, HBO proper, and you can go to each one of those and then and and, and narrow your search down that way. And that that's the kind of thing. If they convert over, it's going to take time. And so I I think if they do go down that route, you're going to lose accessibility to certain things or at least ease of of, of finding them, like you said, Seth right mm-hmm. away so that's not really related to why Batgirl was canned but I think it's interesting because we brought up the point that it was not going to be the activities. it was only going to be when you consider like you said 95% done it's his mm-hmm. host, right
0: oh yeah yeah all the principal photography have been done
1: yeah and also related to that what I've since I just brought up Michael Keaton my understanding from the get-go was part of the deal that they laid out to Michael Keaton to get him to come back was this movie along with the Flash Point Paradox, correct?
0: Right, right. There there was even talk that Keaton filmed a scene for Aquaman 2, and then that was actually replaced with Ben Affleck. So I don't know if this means Ben Affleck's going to be back. There there was never uh, any formal announcement that Affleck was leaving being Batman. It just kind of seemed, well, when you go through a divorce because of the difficulties you're having making Batman moves. And I can kind of see why he wouldn't want to be Batman anymore. But he did film that scene for Justice League for the, the Snyder cut.
1: So you know, Delano came back to play Joker in that as well, correct?
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that was that scene. And we, we you can just right. go back to the episode where we reviewed the Snyder cut to for more in-depth on that. But right, right. but it looks like they've replaced the Keaton scene with probably, I'm assuming, the same scene right. just with Affleck instead of Keaton for the for
1: Aquaman. Three shot him with Ben in that slot instead of Michael. Right. As far as the race swap goes, I guess it depends on the way you look at it. The DC movie take has been so scattershot, for lack of a better term. You've got movies like The Joker, or, or just Joe Crush, should say, and The Batman that are in their own continuity. Mm-hmm. And in the Batman, the Robert Pattinson starring in the lead as Bruce Batman, you have you do have a black Gordon in that, and Jeffrey Wright, who we both right. said did a good job.
0: Yeah, he was um, one of those times where I was like, I it, it doesn't bother me. Now, obviously, they're going to have a Barbara Gordon in any sequel to the Batman, and you probably still have to have a, a black actress. But I mm-hmm. would think for something like that, because there's a precedence for it, that they mm-hmm. could use the outfit. Of the second Batgirl, the Cassandra Cain Batgirl, because she had all of her face and skin covered. One thing I learned pretty quickly from my geek buddies who were of different ethnicities is if you are a black or Asian or whatever superhero with an alternate identity and you want to keep your identity secret, get yourself a costume that has all of your skin covered. Because if people can figure out that you're a black superhero, well, that narrows down a whole lot of possibilities for who you're. Secret identity could be.
1: Especially here in America. Yeah. Especially here in America, where mm-hmm. people of Africa and are Africa. Right, right. And Cassandra Kane for what it's worth, he said she's completely covered in the comics. She's she's half Asian, half American. Mm-hmm. Her father's David Cain, and her mother is Lady Shiva. There was an attempt by Kane to create a, an heir that was the perfect assassin. So having a child with the Lady Shiva probably helped in that regard. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I I just kind of looked at that incarnation of Batgirl. I'm not saying it in the context that this is what they were trying to do, but it almost mm-hmm. seemed like they were kind of going for that Electra Black Widow without the guns type femme fatale.
1: Right, and, and you have to remember, in the time, in the comics, when Barbara is still uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And yeah, and she
0: still be down. an or- oracle.
1: So, uh, that didn't bother me. We've said many times, there are certain characters that they inherently have to be of a certain ethnic background because it's integral to their backstory. You're not going to have a white. Person play Black Panther or Storm right. or Shang Chi or whatever. By the same token, you're not gonna have anybody but a white person. And I've, I've I've argued this before. Bruce Wayne has to be a white guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You look at the Wayne family, white. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they can retcon it too because a lot of people don't know this because they don't read comics like you and I do. Magneto, Eric Lexter was was wasn't until much later on a Holocaust survivor, and that was, what, way, that was in the 90s?
0: Yeah, I think that was around the time of that, uh, the, the relaunch, the, the infamous Singer, X-Men right? number one, Jim Lee Claremont era.
1: Right. Okay, yeah, you're right. It was before the movie. Mm-hmm. But my point is, if they're going to retcon that, then Magneto has to be a white guy, because they don't know many people who aren't of European descent. Because if he's, if he's a Holocaust survivor, it means he was an Eastern European Jew. Right. Not many of those aren't white people, you know what I'm saying?
2: So. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: There are times that the ethnicity is integral to, I would, I would dare say that John Stewart Green Lantern has to be a black man. Oh, I,
0: absolutely. Especially as we already had a white, right. green, several white Green Lantern. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there are times that, that, that ethnicity is integral to the character because of the established backstory. But one is his comics, because you can retcon. And two, with, with that, with that being said, those, the, the, the vast majority of comic characters, I don't think it really matters. And I've always said Jim Gordon's one of those that does not matter. Yeah. Now, if you're talking Jim Gordon of the 1940s and the early days of Batman, yeah, he had to be a white guy. Because I don't see, even in the most progressive cities in America, and let's say Gotham was one of them, they weren't going to have any black men as detectives and police commissioners in that era. But Batman being a, a non-empowered individual, his story has been updated multiple times through the history of the comic lines to where it's more modern. And so today, you go all the way, back to the 70s or 80s, the idea of a, of a high-ranking police detective lieutenant who becomes commissioner being a black man is very probable. Right. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, especially in, in bigger cities, inner cities type environment.
1: Right. Yeah, like Gotham is. And not even black or, or white. It could be Asian. but It could be Native American. It would, it's not that big a deal from about the 70s on. So that doesn't bother me. I do think a lot of this, personally, and, you know, some of it's rumors I'm hearing, and, and, and all rumors take with the largest grains of salt you can imagine. We are under what now, the second or third head of DC Warner Brothers Studios changed in the last five years?
0: Something like, yeah.
1: Was, with Discovery coming on, and the rumors I'm hearing is that the new guy from Discovery that took over, it just, just wanted, unhappy with the success of of where DCU is now, especially in whether, whether it's... Fair or not the comparison to Marvel. He was like, well, this ain't working. Let's try something else. And so a lot of that meant just scrapping whatever they already had on the table. Right. And right. just to try to stay as non-political as we can, because we really attempt to do that on this podcast, he may think that some of the more progressive, I hate to use the term, but woke mm-hmm. ideology that's bled through with movies that are being led by a female, maybe he thought that was part of what needed need to go away too. Who knows? Right. But I've also heard, because of this, the planned Supergirl movie has been canned now, too. Have you heard that rumor as well?
0: I, I've heard it as well. I don't think it was nearly as far along as Batgirl oh, was. I think
1: was. I think it was just like a pre-production, wasn't it? Like right. Script writing and whatnot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think the the production had, had even started. Warner Brothers did do... I
1: thought they had cast Kara.
0: Yeah, I can double-check that. Warner Brothers did release this statement. I believe it was the rap that, that published it. He said... The decision to not release Batgirl reflects on our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor, and this decision is not a reflection of her performance. So it, it right. sounds like they're kind of doing the professional thing of trying to say it wasn't quality. It's just kind of the, the differences type thing. But that would kind of seem to lend credence to what you were talking about, that maybe they were looking at the quality and the I'm success. And, guys. yeah, and just trying trying a new direction.
1: Just a a change from HBO Max and just maybe an overall different change in direction on how they want to take these intellectual property. I don't Mm -hmm. know how long, as a DC guy, I've said this, but even you not being a DC guy but a geek, all of us have said there's no way that these movies should not be walk-off, grand slam, home runs with the popularity and strength of just the three main characters. Mm -hmm. Batman. Superman and Wonder Woman are legitimately pop culture icons here in the United States and have been for decades.
0: Yeah, you ask anybody who aren't even comic book fans, just average people on the street, you ask them to name a couple superheroes, and Batman and Superman are probably going to be among the first five that they mention.
1: I mean, they are such a part of the pop culture lexicon. It's a little different now because of the Marvel movies, but for a long time, they were probably the only two superheroes that non comic book fans could tell you their origin story
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe the hulk because of, of the tv show mm-hmm. wonder woman is popular she is i don't even know how many people knew what her backstory was and her origins right. but everybody knew that, that superman was the, the last masked person from krypton planet spaceship crashed as a baby raised in kansas everybody knew batman was a rich kid who saw his parents killed in front of him and mm-hmm. trained himself to become back everybody knew those two origin stories They might know Spider-Man, they might know the Hulk, and that was it. And, and, you know, before they tried to have a shared universe, some of the few examples of successful films that were comic book page two films were the 70s Superman and the 80s slash 90s Batman, and then the Dark Knight trilogy. So there had been success with those two characters, right? And Wonder Woman, to throw in the third one, she was a very successful television show in the 70s, Linda Carter. Right. There's no reason with those three strong leads helping to introduce other characters, they couldn't have had a strong shared universe. but they didn't.
0: Especially since DC has yeah. been under that Warner Brothers umbrella for decades, basically.
1: What? 90s? Probably yeah, 30 some, years? Something like, yeah. 40s? I, mean, I think maybe it's the 80s is when Warner Brothers bought them. So uh, they've been in charge of DC almost as long as I've been a comic book. And I've been a comic book fan almost, almost, almost all my life. And it, it, it's mind boggling that this happened. And so... I can understand when a new corporate entity takes over and goes, even if they're not comic fans, alone, what in the heck is going on? Why are we not just made, like literally getting a license to print money with this stuff? What have y'all done wrong? And whatever they've done, whether they agree with it or not, they're probably going to want to do a 180 because if, if, it, if it, it's obviously broke, so they need to fix it. That's their mindset. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, if the movie um, really was that bad, if that is part of the reason, I, I think it would be. At least a cause for hope that they're going to try to make them better. Or I think another possibility we've heard reports and opinions that the the superhero genre may just be too saturated now as far as movies. It's
1: possible as a horror fan, I can tell you that with slasher movies in the '80s. It oh
0: happens. yeah, yeah. Between the DC and the Marvel movies, uh, we're we're going to get a big superhero movie every month or two for the next year and a half. Every
1: month or so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
0: hopefully we won't have to wait another year before we get any answers. But uh, it's, it's also worth mentioning, uh, this, this isn't DC-oriented as much, but another movie that was canned by Warner Brothers around the same time as Batgirl was going to be the sequel to Scoob, the animated Scooby-Doo right. reboot that came out a year or two ago.
1: Right. It, it, eh. it's, it's, once again, we've, our, our first nostalgia trip, sorry, second nostalgia trip was Scooby-Doo, the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Another s- super strong property that probably should be doing better than it is. I yeah. think you could agree with that as well. Oh
2: yeah, 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 definitely.
1: So that's just business, ladies and gentlemen. If it, it ain't bringing in the money they want, whether they agree with what's been done up to that point or not, they're gonna wanna change it. Cause that's their mindset. It's broke, so it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And I I wonder, and this is speculation on my part, I'm not in my, my, my thoughts on this particular part of DC's properties, uh, and we'll save more stuff for on the other side of the break, but I wonder, with the success of Joker and with the success of the Batman, both critically and commercially for both films, and then being kind of standalones, not in a shared universe, do you think there's a possibility or is least a probability that that may be the route they decide to go instead of trying to force a shared universe idea?
0: Well, I can see there maybe being some measure of happy medium, because you don't need, say, Batman appearing in every other DC branded movie you don't need batman to show up in black adam or or whatever you can have these guys have their own movies and then just have your justice league or justice society whatever superhero team they decide to make and just have them all show up for the crossover there i think that'd be a little bit easier for continuity but for the most part that's what marvel did for phase one they really didn't have the other heroes meet until that first avengers movie
1: you had colson and and fury kind of the puppet masters behind this, orchestrating mm-hmm. all. They don't really have any character like that in DC. They tried to kind of make that Diana and Bruce, but it didn't make as much sense. At least in my opinion, it didn't. But I think that's the way they make up. That's the only reason I bring it, because mm-hmm. in light of what I just said about the success of these two standalones, and in light of what I said earlier about the times they've had success in the past, whether it be the, the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy or the the Burton Schumacher. Batman movies, or Christopher Reeve Superman, these were all standalones. They tried one crossover, which was Supergirl with Superman, and it did not do as good. I didn't think it was a bad film, but it was definitely flawed compared to Superman 1 and 2. I'm sure you agree oh, with Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed the movie, especially Peter O'Toole and Faye Dunaway. They looked like they were having a ball making that movie. Right. And, and they should have at least had Reeve in a cameo. I think I think they should have had. They'd-
1: right, I think, right. That probably would have strengthened you. are mm. exactly, exactly right. I agree with you 110%. But that's the only other time that they they had ever tried a crossover. Right. So when you take that historical years ago and fairly recent history, it just looks like as far as D.C., for whatever reason, whether it's the, the people behind the scenes, calling shots or the, the properties themselves, they seem to work better on film when they're in their standalone.
0: And there's probably a little more freedom that they can do. There, I can see mm-hmm. creative people wanting to have more freedom, a cleaner canvas, okay. so to speak.
1: I don't think Nolan or, or Scorsese would be involved in The Dark Knight or Joker if they didn't have that, knowing right. the kind of filmmaker. Nolan has fought very hard to have the autonomy he has in making, and he's earned it, because yeah. everything he's done has been critically and commercially successful.
0: Yeah, and, so, and it's one of the things know, I think can be said about the Nolan Batman movies and really about the Batman is really they were l- less superhero movies, especially the the, the recent one with, with Pattinson, the, the Batman. Crime Ground Yeah, it, it wasn't so much a superhero movie as much as it was a detective going after a serial killer. It just, in this case, the detective was Batman and the serial killer was a Riddler.
1: I don't know, I could be wrong. I think there's a lot of periods uh, to what you say about oversaturation tied to that this ideology that I have is that not only is there an oversaturation of superhero movies, there might be an oversaturation of, of, of attempts by studios to do shared universes, superhero yeah, or not.
0: That's a very possible.
1: Look, we spoke earlier, we touched on the problems of Ezra Miller, who is tied to the to DCU. The extension of the Harry Potter universe hasn't been as good as it should. And it's, part of that was because of Ezra Miller and the controversy around Johnny Depp, who were both major parts of the second part of this, shared in these prequels with fantastical beasts. It was another attempt to take an extremely successful and popular franchise and create spin-offs that were in a shared universe. And though they were successful, they weren't nearly as successful as the original Harry Potter movie. So this seems to me that and those ones are Warner Brothers properties. Warner Brothers is not really good at this whole shared, shared universe. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Even though you think <laughs> they would have been going. used to it by now, like I said, because they had uh, these properties for decades.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've just put out three examples of well-known, popular franchises that they've attempted to expand into shared universes, whether it be Scooby-Doo, Harry Potter, or or DC Comics, and they failed miserably on all three. Maybe it's time they just got trying to to really push this shared universe. Look, I'm a comic book geek. I would love for there to be the shared universe. That is inherently part of being a a comic book fan is loving that super giant double-sized year-end crossover comic, but... That sometimes doesn't work. And if if, if, we have said how many times have we said on this podcast, Seth, that what works on the page does not necessarily work in two hours on on the silver screen.
2: Right.
0: All right, we're going to shift gears. We're going to stay in D.C. We're going to talk about The Flash, the TV series Flash, and how that is ending, and it's kind of an end of an era for TV. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Attention all time lords and ladies. This message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, geekvilleradio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we are back. We are talking The Flash and how this next season of The Flash on CW is going to be the ninth season, and it's also going to be its final season. It's going to be a 13-episode season, so a little bit condensed. But that also means we are going to be seeing the end of a TV universe that began 10 years ago with Arrow, because obviously Arrow premiered in 2012, Barry Allen made his first appearance in season two of Arrow, and that quickly led to the Flash spinoff. And then we got the Arrowverse or Flareverse. We got the Supergirl series. We got Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, and Superman and Lois. Out of all those series I've just mentioned...
1: Batwoman. You've got, you've uh, Batwoman. Yeah, Batwoman got as Batman. well,
0: yeah. And we, out of all of those series, only Superman and Lois is left now. And that one pretty clearly established that they are now in their own... Earth as well. It's a separate Earth from all the other Arrowverse shows, which is kind of funny because they did their Crisis on Infinite Earths, which put them all on the same Earth by the time that crossover is over. So that means that the classic Arrowverse that we've known for the last 10 years is pretty much done. I don't think this has anything directly to do with the merger. I think we were kind of seeing the writings on the wall with all these other shows ending. I believe Batwoman got canceled, and I believe Legends of Tomorrow got canceled. Well, Black
1: Lightning got canceled,
0: too. I think that got canceled as well. This is a case of the show is ending on its own, and it very well could be, right. because if they didn't stop it on their own, they were probably going to get canceled as well because of all of this cost-cutting that's being done by the new owners and the new head honchos with this merger because the reports have been going around for a while that actually CW, the entire network has never been profitable. And if something's not profitable, when there's a new owner that comes along, pretty good chance that that gets the ax. So I think they kind of did it in a way they're, they're ending the show. My assumption really is they're ending the show where they can give an ending. They can give a proper ending rather than have the rug pulled out from under them. And they all of a sudden have to scramble to end the show and not give the, an ending that could be more suited. I hope I'm making sense with that. Right.
1: Yeah, you are. You are. I, I just spent all this time talking about how Warner Brothers does not do a good job with shared universes, and this is the one exception. It was successful for about a four or five-year run. But they took the approach you just said earlier, where it was just a crossover occasionally, and then the rest was kind of standalone, instead of trying to always intertwine it. And it's not ironic, I guess, for lack of a better term, that the downfall seem to happen when they did, like you said, merge everybody into the same universe, yeah, <laughs> it's something mm, to think about. But I don't think when Berlanti and and, and Guggenheim and all them started this, they had these grand schemes on a on a shared universe. They wanted to do Arrow. They did it. They openly said from the get go they had a five year story arc, which which is established from the very beginning with a voiceover by Ollie saying, "I was on a I, I was on an island for for five years and." They envisioned each season having back flashbacks to that particular year on the island. And then they were kind of forced into another two years to kind of wrap up the storyline, which I think everybody can agree the last two years of Arrow were not as strong as the first five years of the flashbacks. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can say that. What I've always wondered if somebody actually took the time and effort to do it is if you could do a super cut or a super edit. Of those first five seasons of Arrow, but edit it so it's chronological. So you don't necessarily have the flashbacks. You just do all the stuff on the island in a row, and then that would take a lot of time and effort. I don't know how, how easy it would be to edit that together into a coherent story, but I think it'd be something yeah, that it, like
1: Arrow, Like Arrow Origins or something?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just watch all the backstory stuff, and then and then the current stuff, and see if, it, if that could be done well.
1: I don't know what the, what the mindset was in bringing Barry in and, into, and then being a backdoor pilot, but it worked. I think I think The Flash even superseded Arrow, who was the, the foundation of that shared universe, in becoming the most popular character and, and property in them. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with some friends of mine I've talked to who are not DC fans, but are comic book fans, that we talk about this a lot when we talk about DC. DC is much grander in scale than it's very Shakespearean almost. It's like Va- like like Wagner mm-hmm. opera. Grand, fantastical. The the, the members of the Justice League legitimately are gods. It, it's, it's just very, very grand and sweeping the way they do things.
0: The characters are either gods or created by gods, and then there's Batman.
1: And you've got the Ollie being the basis in a universe based on on this kind of universe just a human, doesn't have powers, is odd. And because of these grand stories, they're very much melodrama. So there's always been, i felt, and you agreed with me as a Marvel guy, a much darker tone and serious tone to be. And The Flash, especially the Barry Allen iteration of The Flash, was a beacon of light in this very dark, melancholy universe. And in light of Marvel being much more lighthearted, and 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 full of light as an entire universe and it finding success in the movies around the same time as as is the Flairoverse, fans that aren't that familiar were going to be more attracted to that very lighthearted flash character and and side of the universe and it's much more similar to Marvel than the rest of them. Do you see what my analogy is there?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense.
1: And so I think that's why the flash Probably became the, the the biggest of all the properties in this shared universe, but it is sad, but all things have to come to an end. I agree with you. they're probably trying to do this on their own terms. I think Grant Vestin and all the characters, all the actors all the all the showrunners they've earned the right through the the success they have been, which as you point out, is rare on c w it's a money not a money maker. They have earned the right to be able to have their own exit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Give the fans something that they, that that they'll be satisfied with because I can sit here and begin to name extremely popular television shows, some that are more popular than Flash, that have had less than a, a fulfilling ending for their fan bases. Whether you're talking Lost or or Sopranos or Those are the two I was Dexter. gonna mention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a two hour show right there. Two Blood. I could do lots of geek problems where it just seems like the like the finale was rushed. And some of that I think can you can lay at the feet of fans just not wanting to let go of their beloved property. But some of it can be laid at. I mean, I think we can all be off. The Sopranos ending, I'm not even watching. I didn't even watch Sopranos, but kind of flat. Just end? Come on. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they didn't want to be in that situation, and they have earned the right not to. So it'll be, it'll be sad to see Flaro or Flash go, but it has to happen. And at least they're going to... They now know when it will be, so they'll have the time to prepare for it, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a satisfactory and fulfilling conclusion because of that. All right, do you have high hopes since they, they're at least going to know what's coming?
0: I think so, yeah, because they're, they're basically getting a half of a season, which is usually a story arc in an Arrowverse show anyway. I mean, they, there seems to be two big right. story arcs per season in the first half and, then, and in the second half, so I think they'll have it in – I would not be surprised at all if there's another big crossover in the final couple weeks. Something to uh, cause everything to come to a satisfactory end. But yeah, I, I think since they know it's coming, it's it's going to be an end that's going to be more fulfilling.
1: So you're thinking there could be a lot of between characters for one last episode?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
1: Ollie is supposedly dead, but I could see Ollie coming back. Like Ollie didn't die in was right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, uh, Ollie's end in Crisis and Fitters was basically Superman's end. So, <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. that's well, uh,
1: why not? Like they, they they borrowed they borrowed liberally from Batman stuff in the in the TV and applied it to Arrow. So why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I made the jokes in the early days of that show. That's just like it seems like they wanted to do Batman, but since they couldn't do Batman, they thought, well, uh, who can we get away with and doing in TV? Ah, Green Arrow. Okay, we'll do Green Arrow, and we'll just give him Batman's origin. Minus the uh, dead parents part,
1: which, which they both wind up dying eventually. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the father died at the beginning, but the right. mother the mother dies. What season three?
0: Yeah, the whole training by the League of Assassins and Ra's al Ghul and all that stuff that that's right out of Batman.
1: Oh yeah, and Deathstroke is is more of a of a Nightwing, Dick Grayson, Teen Titans Batman villain than he is a, a an Arrow villain. But <laughs> right, I digress. Right. <laughs> I haven't watched Flash on the regular in probably about four years, but I probably will tune tune in for this season just because, it's, like you, I'm a bit of a completionist.
0: I did keep up with season seven where they had the uh, the Godspeed character, and it's like there definitely was a, a a little bit of quality that that was missing because it's like now part of it I think is how many times can you go back to just keep doing other speedsters as villains? And
2: well,
1: we said yeah. that from like what well, season two? Yeah, oh,
0: something like yeah, you, you the,
1: better. It's part of the reason we like to think her is the bad guy was in three or season four. So, uh,
2: and yeah, was, I think it was,
1: think it was a non yeah. yeah. It was a non-speaker for the. Mm-hmm. And, but that's inherently, that's, that's, was a real big bugaboo about me on, the, on that show. was, I think we've talked about before. When you talk rogues gallery that are, they're tied to one individual comic book, Batman probably has the best, and Spider-Man's mm-hmm. probably second, but third on this is probably Flash.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of those didn't, didn't, haven't even did, made the show.
1: Yeah. When you look at the Flash, he's got Mirror Master, which made the show. You have Gorilla Grodd, which made the show. You have the Reverse Flash, which made the show. You mm-hmm. have Captain Cole, which makes the show. But they other than, other than the Reverse Flash, Eobard Thawne, none of them were really re- recurring villains. They, they turned Captain Cole into an anti-hero and spun him off into Legends of Tomorrow. I think they only had Mirror Master, what, like twice?
0: Seems like, yeah, and, and even then they they made it like the the wife or something like that for in
2: later yeah, seasons.
1: Yeah, and, and Gorilla Grodd, i, I mean, Gorilla Grodd, The lack of Gorilla Grodd specifically just been mm-hmm. this was a television show on a smaller network, and to do Gorilla Grodd justice, you've got to do have a like high end CGI. I'm talking like Planet of the Apes. Tight
0: level. Right. When they did use him, uh, it, it still looked pretty good. But I, I figured that's why he was yeah, only he around I for a couple that. episodes for seasons is because they had to put all that money into making making crowd look believable.
1: And that was just always a B for me on that show was that here was this guy that, in my opinion, had the third best rogues gallery of any superhero in any imprint. And you barely touched on him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that 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 was has there been any news of who the overall is going to be in this final season yet? Have you heard anything?
0: I have not, because we're still a couple months away from it debuting. But uh, I, I right. could have missed as far as what they're going to. It wouldn't surprise me if they start going back and bringing back some of the uh, the old villains to give them kind of one like, one like, last like, go around,
1: like Hunter's, like Hunter's Z- like Hunter and Reverse Flash stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, Eobard Thawne, Reverse Flash, is Flash's Joker, his Lex Luthor, whatever, whatever. So. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up being the. Of course, both of us would, would, would be more than happy to see Damian Dark return. Right. <laughs> because, yeah. uh, Neil McDonough's McDonough is Damian Dark. That,
0: that was a perfect casting.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I guess. I guess you're going to anticipate that as much as I am, then and watch just to see how. Yeah. To see how it unfolds.
0: It, it'll be interesting to see how it's done, I, mean, I like like you. I have to catch up on season eight as well before, but I got a couple months to do that, so. And it'll, it'll be interesting yeah, to see I mean. if this is an acknowledgement at the end of the Arrowverse or if it's just going to be the end of Flash.
1: And, and you know, let's be honest. For those that have followed us for several years now, for, a, for a, in the early days of the, of the Flareverse, that was a large, significant chunk of of, of our content was mm-hmm. reviewing and covering. So uh, the Flareverse was probably one of the prime reasons why we even started doing it. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah.
2: At least it, it,
1: the change in the yeah. format from what you had in the early days to when
0: I can, Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree.
1: So it it, it it's kinda of sad for us here at Geekville Radio because it's kind of a part of us is dying. One mm-hmm. of our little babies is left gonna have left the okay.
0: nest. <laughs> right. so. so we'll we'll follow up on this when the flash debuts and I guess it'll be September or October of twenty twenty two. So yeah. all right. Well we're gonna take a quick break. we're gonna shift gears, we're gonna talk a little Star Wars to wind things up, and we'll talk about Andor Eldorette.
1: Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of me. That's all at frag.com part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family.
0: All right, we are back. Last segment of the show, we are talking Andor. And the, and the, the funny thing about Andor, and by funny, just kind of peculiar is i think we may have heard about andor right about the time we heard about the mandalorian it was one of the first star wars series to be announced for disney plus like way back in 2018 this is only about one year removed from when rogue one left theaters because rogue one hit i think with december 2016 so it was well into 2017 before it left playing theaters and then 2018 we hear about the andor series since then, we've gotten two seasons of The Mandalorian, one season of The Book of Boba Fett, and we got the much-hyped Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. But on the Andor front, we barely got more than a sizzle reel here and there. And now, I always figured that part of it is there were COVID complications and just other delays because this series, unlike Mandalorian and Kenobi, is this is being shot on location. This is filmed in more in the old-school sense it's not putting the volume oh, like, like or, George would have done it. right i mean I, I could definitely see george using the volume if he was still making movies but i think he was like this this was done more old school and it's got a much larger scale than right. mandalorian does so there's going to be a lot of this that is going to be in real outdoor environments and not just something that was created in the, in the volume but what is good about this uh, trailer as far as the feel is this definitely looks like it's going to be close in style to the way Rogue One was. And not just because we have Diego Luna back, and we also got Genevieve O'Reilly back as Mon Mothma, Forrest Whitaker's back as Saw Guerrero, only with a few less cybernetic implants. It looks like and he's one. still kind of more fully human in this. So it would not surprise me if we see what makes him so kind of short-fused in Rogue One, because in Rogue One, obviously, he was... You almost couldn't even call him an anti-hero. I don't know if you can even call him an he, anti-villain. He, he's, you know?
1: he's, he's a zealot, for sure.
0: Yeah, but he he is one of those... It's like even Batman might have said, ah, well, I think you're taking this a little too far, man. <laughs> but, right. But we, we had speculated a couple of weeks back about while the show may be called Andor, this looks like it might be more of a Dawn of the Rebel Alliance story. And it looks like that is what it's going to be because we do see in the trailer, we, we see some quick images. There's that awesome scene of a Star Destroyer in low orbit. And there's also a boy who I think it's pretty obvious is a young Andor. He almost looks like he's dressed like Link from Legend of Zelda. But he looks like he's looking at like just this destroyed, just, just uh, decimated area. Like like there was some war that was fighting on. My my hunch is that Star Destroyer caused all that damage. That was his childhood, and that's why he's been fighting this war since he was like six years old or whatever. Like he famously said in in Andor, so or in in Rogue One. And we also see Stellan Skarsgård. That was another guy we saw in in the Marvel. I think he was in the first two Thor movies. He was what was he he, he, he was yeah, yeah, he was basically Jane's boss, essentially or sorts, right? Or, right, and then
1: he has he has a comic book counterpart. He is a character from the comics.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I know he they brought him back in the comics as well. Because I think he was one of the people that Cap was going after when they did the whole Cap turns to Hydra because of the Cosmic Cube or or whatever mind it control. was. Yeah,
1: yeah, Red Skull's mind control.
0: Yeah, but it looks like Skarsgard. The character he's playing is called Luthen. And it looks like he's leading a double life here because you see him in this fancy robe. Looks like he's got a lot of money. Maybe it's a flashback. I don't know, but it looks like he's got a lot of money and he's got this big smile and he's courting these high end political, maybe diplomat type people. And then you also see him in almost like fatigues being very discreet as he's talking to Andor. So it sounds like he's kind of the guy that recruits Andor in the first place.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's kind of always been established in the Rebel Alliance. You got the organists mm-hmm. for royalty of well, the Senate, but are secretly major players in the Rebel Alliance, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's that's. I think one of the things George did that I like, some people don't, is that he's he is intertwined political intrigue with the war aspect to kind of make it more realistic right. for us Earthlings I have a better term. That's that's really how wars and stuff go on and have in our history as human beings.
0: Yeah, it is is one of those things. And like you said earlier, we don't like to get political, so I don't want to sound like I'm getting political here. I think one of the issues that some people have when it comes to the classic Star Wars and the classic comics and such that we all grew up reading, I don't think there was ever any party versus party commentary being done with Star Wars and Captain America and all that. No. It was more of a people versus oppression. I, right. I think people take it from there and put it in their own minds as far as what political party they want to have doing the oppressing. That's all I'm going to say because right. I don't want to... Not, I don't want to Yeah, get... well, the
1: earliest Captain America was obviously American war machine propaganda. Right. So the open the open enemy was the Nazis. And they even, they even softened that up later on because the, the red uh red guard or red october red guardian and and all the mm-hmm. all them came from we got a little bit of their background in black widow movie that was obviously soviets versus americans and even that softened in the comics before the cold war was over
0: oh yeah yeah and we we all remember the 80s because we were alive there and they did all that Red Scare or all the fear of the Soviet uh, nuclear war with the Soviets, whether it was propaganda or not, the mm-hmm. fear was real. Crimey me, G.I. Joe, right. they had the October Guard. And it was like the, right. the Soviet version of G.I. Joe. And oh, my gosh, what's going to happen if they clash?
1: Right. But so, yeah, I, I think that, that is one thing that, like you said, it's, it's, it's more generalized in the comics. Mm-hmm. And George kind of now, with that being said, George didn't even try to hide the fact he made the Empire look like Monopoly. Benafi- Right. From their uniforms to everything. But even with that being said, it, it, was, it was much more nonspecific and generalized, and always has been. And so taking that, like you said, you can just ascribe whatever political affiliation you are on which side in a story like this. That is the history of mankind, that there's often a lot of political intrigue and machinations going on behind armed conflict. And that means both sides often have spots. Some spies are low level or at least their persona is low level and some are high level. To, to once again to, to stay with the Nazi analogy that you this is used a lot in comics and in the Star Wars franchise. The, the the attempt to assassinate Adolf Hitler was actually by his own high ranking officials, many of mm-hmm. whom were powerful German aristocrats before the Nazi Party rose to power. So there's an example of just within the last hundred years of this is what happens in these type situations, right?
0: Yeah. If you you upset people powerful enough, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on.
1: Right. Now, we can go down a whole other two hours talking about debating sociologically and politically. Well, those people are in power. They just want to stay in power, but we won't go down that route. (laughs) (laughs) And this is something that we've talked about numerous times. This is something George does. Mm -hmm. install. You may not like George Lucas. You may think he's a terrible writer of, of dialogue. I wouldn't disagree with you. But one thing George is is a student of history and a student of film. And much of the Star Wars universe is heavily flavored that George understands war and intrigue, at least as how it relates to the history of man.
0: I would agree. George might not be the best guy when it comes to dialogue, but he knows how to tell a story.
1: Yes. And what I think is one of George's strengths, and I think we'll see it here in Andor, is exactly what we're talking is that he makes things relatable because he doesn't try to pull out of his butt, whole claw, some fantastical idea. He just looks at what's actually already happened and applies it to his created universe. Yeah.
0: yeah? yeah I, don't want to get, I don't want to get too oh, sidetracked yeah. by... Going down this rabbit hole, you might say, but it it's one of the things that I would see when I was reading the books, Star Wars books, and it's one well, of the thing, reasons why I would put some of them down without finishing them. Is the, is it's like you'd see these things where it's like it's like two or three paragraphs or more just describing the exotic nature of whatever beverage that they're that they're drinking. It's something that you don't really need to go into. It's like okay, it's blue milk. That, that's good right. enough for most people. You don't need to go and into futuristic, what, what futuristic. is actually in it.
1: Yeah. Blue Milk and futuristic 1970s, temporary <laughs>
2: <laughs> Right. <laughs>
1: but yeah, that's, that's, that, that. And once again, you're saying this is the books. That's an example of George not being involved. This is other people writing. And, and, and that's, that's inherently, you're the sci-fi guy. Mm-hmm. Seth, I'm the horror guy. That has always been inherently an issue of mine with sci-fi in general. You didn't see it, in my opinion, from the great sci-fi writers, from the Isomovs, the Bradburys, and those guys. So many second and third and fourth generation sci-fi writers got too caught up in the minutia of the actual science, trying to show that they were the smartest guy in the room and have some mm-hmm. legitimacy to what we know about science, whatever they're putting, that it's like, dude, you're forgetting the key to this is entertain people tell a good story.
2: Right, right.
0: One more thing about the way... George Lucas would do things. I remember Mark Hamill telling a story about when they were making the original Star Wars and how he, there, there wasn't any formal introduction to Darth Vader. Oh, so what are we going to do? Oh, this is Darth Vader, the the, the Dark Lord of the Sith. What are we going to do? And George just said, oh, no, we'll just we'll dress him all in black and we'll play some spooky music and then people know that he's the bad guy.
1: Yeah, that, that's storytelling 101.
0: That iconic opening part of A New Hope when Darth Vader just steps through the smoke on board the Krillin Corvette. You already know he's the bad guy.
1: <laughs> you remind me of a, of a YouTube channel that I watch fairly regularly called Meth, which is an anagram for mu- Movies Explained For. And it's a comedic channel where I don't know the, the, the content creator's real name, but he goes by Jebediah. And he is a southerner, over mm-hmm. well,
2: and the he, southern he a Southern sounding name. Lot of classic,
1: <laughs> he reviews a lot of, of, of classic movies, big Hitchcock fan, like Marlon Brando is his favorite actor. But he has reviewed all the Star Wars, and you would enjoy them, I'll take that. so would our yeah. audience. a free plug for, for old Jeb over on, on Myth.
0: We'll put the link in the show notes.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll take a link to his channel. But in his review of, I believe it was Empire Strikes Back, he points out that during the opening scroll, scroll that this is not actually, like, ingenious or, or, or thrilling. This You were actually under the mass hallucination of the musical score by John Williams, because John Williams is a master at making stupid stuff sound important.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we've talked a lot about John Williams and his and his long running collaborations with George and Steven Spielberg. George is, and Steve are so successful as filmmakers, and Star Wars is a great example of this. And I think the, the lack of of or of excitement for the, the current trilogy of Star Wars movies is proof because George is involved in that. that they know how to tell good stories, basic good stories. And one of the ways they do that, you just brought up this, they get John Williams to write cool music that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: when you hear the Imperial March, you kind of know that that's the bad guy music. Right. <laughs> when you hear the Raiders March from the indie stuff, you kind of know right away that indie's this swashbuckling good guy, right? And I've talked a lot on my musical posts on my personal Facebook about this pretty famous story. Halloween, the original cut was was presented to the to the uh, all, you know, all these different distribution studios by John Carpenter without the music, and they're like, "This isn't scary." He puts that iconic musical score in there, you know, the th- yeah. th- 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 the five four time little mm-hmm. synthesizer score he writes. All of a sudden, it's the scariest movie they've ever seen. They want, they all want to buy it. So George is smart enough to realize that music and the visuals, like you said, of like Darth Vader with all black, and then you have the heavy breathing. These are not hard things to do but it's simple storytelling and to use not what you told about earlier i'd much rather see that than see a we have to read five pages of some exotic drink characters right and a description of what goes into it right. i think it gets, you can agree with that too even as big a yep. sci-fi fan as you are
0: yep yep definitely but uh, getting back to andor i guess what we're getting at is this looks more like something george would have done than right the the sequel trilogy or e- even to an extent boba fett there was the other stuff I liked about Boba Fett. The stuff I liked about Obi Wan, but Obi it wasn't shot in the way George would have made no. a, an Obi Wan series. I think this looks like it's more shot in the way George would have done it.
1: Well, the way you're talking about the way it's shot, that applies to what I was just talking—the storytelling aspect. George's style of, of using actual practical look at locations like Tunisia for Tatooine in the first and New Hope, all that—it it makes storytelling better. It, it goes back to what I said earlier. You. Yes, this is shot in a real place here on this earth, but it looks exotic. It looks like you can believe it's a planet. Mm-hmm. And it, it it helps to tell a story. I think Andor is going to do this. I've been the minority here on Geekville of praise for Rogue One. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I think Rogue One was a good movie. I think it told a good story. I just think it was an unnecessary story to tell. So I want to clear that up. It felt in a lot of ways, both visually and storytelling wise like the kind of story George was told. Do you agree?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think and all will too. Now, for all the, the criticism that the prequels episodes 1, 2, and 3 I don't think George could have gone any other route but telling him the way he did because you're dealing with we already know the outcome. We already know Annie's going to turn to the dark side and cut our fader. Same thing's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. if you didn't like that aspect of the, of the prequels I'd place a caveat that you might not like this because we all know what the outcome is. But if you're into the political intrigue if you're into the the cloak and dagger, that kind of stuff. I, I think it's going to be great. I'm looking for it, and I'm not even that big a fan of Rogue One. So what is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: But I, I think you know, like you said, looking like the way it's going to be, looking from the trailer, looking like George. I think that you cannot downplay these were choices that were deliberately to, taken made by George in his attempts to tell a good
0: story. Yeah. Now, one one other thing that I'll add as far as what we saw in the trailer and. On- about how this is looks to be more of a birth of the rebellion story is we do see for the first time ever in my recollection in a, any live action star wars story we see mon mothma actually in the imperial senate floor with those big flying frisbees that they all zip around in and okay. i don't think we ever saw her do that and you do see
1: where is she from what what planet is she?
0: i'd have to go back and check i'm sure somebody Listening to this in their podcast player, is probably already screaming it at us. So please
1: let us <laughs> yeah. know if this, so we don't yep. have to do all the research ourselves. The yeah. <laughs> show at Geekle Radio,
0: <laughs> or or comment on the show notes at GeekleRadio dot slash three hundred nine. But yeah, so it looks like we're going to see what Mon Mothma personally went through to help form the, the right. Rebel Alliance. So that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, that will be. Yeah, and she's
1: always been an intriguing character to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You no, know? so. de- definitely because she only had what about four or five lines of dialogue, and one of which became a meme with right. the talking about the many Mothans died.
1: Are there any other characters that we know for sure are going to be besides Sogaria, besides Ma Moth, besides Diego Luna's character? Are we going to see like Abba Akbar or, or Bale or anybody like that?
0: I don't think so. Like I said, I think we're going to get a nod to a couple of characters like Bale Organa. We we might get a Darth Vader cameo.
1: Palpatine. Press.
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: I would love to see some, uh, some Admiral Ackbar because there, there's so much I don't know about him. Obviously, he's badass. He's an admiral mm-hmm. in the rebel in the rebel fleet, so uh, he seems to be a bit of a, a military strategist and tactician based on what screen time we've seen of him. I've always felt that his race was probably one of those because of the way they looked, probably extremely re- uh, repressed and oppressed by the Galactic Empire. Thus, his his decision to join the Rebel Alliance, but I don't um, know. That's just yeah. speculation.
0: Yeah, it's it's certainly easy to see how big-talking fish might not exactly be taken seriously by the evil overlords.
1: By, by Palpatine Pop- yeah. and his crew. Right.
0: <laughs> but the the only other thing we uh, we really know about this at this point that, that I, I can list here is it's going to be two seasons, and I think the first season is, I want to say, 12 episodes, but it is going to lead directly into Rogue One, so we might get a little bit more as far as learning about the Death Star or kind of setting up how they get on the, how they establish the Yavin base or, or something like that. But it, it is, is it, going it, uh, uh, uh,
2: to have a,
0: I don't know. Cause I think by this time he would have already been working for the empire for several years, okay. but I think it's also one of those, if they already set that it's going to be two seasons, it goes back to what we were talking about, about the flash that it'll probably have an ending that is pre-written out and pre-planned rather than one that has to be hastily thrown together because they don't know if they're going to get another season or not.
1: Maybe we'll see a Ben Mendelssohn.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very possible. So that's going to wrap up this edition of Geekville Radio, episode 309. Let us know if you liked what you heard or if you didn't like what you heard. I'm always open for feedback. You can find us in the pod chaser you're choosing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, We're now on Amazon Music and Amazon Podcasts. You can find us there. Geekville Radio is the site. You can comment there. Give us feedback. Give us a follow. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're not doing so well. You can contact the show directly, show at Geekville Radio, if you want to write us. And our social media, Facebook and Twitter is at Geekville Radio. And Train, if anybody wants to talk to you about uh, comics or Star Wars or
1: music, where can they find you? You can always reach me on Twitter at crazy train underscore JB. That is pretty much my handle across all social media platforms. So just do a search on any of the ones you use and that'll pop up for me. The next two uh, podcasts we should be recording if everything goes to plan is the next Examining the Dead where we'll go into the horror-related stuff that came out of Comic-Con and we're going to be doing an episode of Classic Crafts Memories here probably in the next week or so where we will look at Ric Flair's Last match in that entire pay per view, and also do a tribute to the recently deceased Judo Gene Labelle. So that's what's on the slate for the next while. If, it, if that tick-
0: absolutely so, that said, we're going to shut down the power here at the Geekler Radio Studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.
1: We
2: didn't do an obligatory doctor, so can we just put it in here right now? We did bring up Harry Potter and David Tennant. Uh,